0: hello and welcome to the cosmic eye show i am your host jason napolitano and i have on the line mr chris sheridan how you doing chris
1: i'm doing very good today
0: <laughs> i very love good. that i love that nice long pause because you really didn't how good how, how good is co- it how good it's like, how pleasant it's are very you very good It's, it's extremely good over here. Things are going, I wouldn't say that, but it's, it's very, okay, but it's, (laughs) but it's, there's a continuum of good and you're high on it, but you're not like peaking the meter of goodness. Well, you know, I want to leave room for
1: (laughs) more, (laughs) more good.
0: More good. Leave room for good. Maybe it'll be fantastic by the end of the day. It very well could be. (laughs) All right. So thank you for listening and showing up to the show each week. I want to thank all of our listeners. We have some new supporters and listeners. In fact, I had uh, uh, an email come in, which I just responded to today. And I wanted to kind of follow up on it from one of our listeners who's offering us uh, both support and uh, was appreciative of the show. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Um, He had heard uh, our golden key podcast. Um, we recently did last week, actually, did, uh, the seven-day mental diet, another Emmett Fox book. Uh, but he had a question, uh, our listener had a question about where you can find uh, the golden key. And Chris actually did a little research on this. I sent some information about how you can find it on Unity uh, to this gentleman. And uh, Chris actually pointed out that you can also find uh, the golden key through divorce. And the divorce is D-E-V-O-R-R-S, isn't it? Divorce? Uh, is it one R-2-S is one R two is D E V O R S S. So divorce is a publisher there yeah. in California.com. Exactly. And uh, they do publish a lot of the, the cool old uh, new thought stuff, mind science stuff and so on. Um, and Emmett Fox's stuff is some of their, uh, some of their uh, in their catalog as well. So they do have that golden key there. They most definitely would offer, I'm sure some sort of a, a bulk discount. So if you guys are interested in getting the golden key to pass out to people, which I, Highly recommend. It's such a great little booklet, and it's such a neat, neat thing that you can do. And Emmett Fox actually wrote a little bit about that. I got this Emmett Fox book. I sent you a picture of this, Chris. Uh, find and use your inner power. Uh, hmm. I love these kinds of finds. It's like a 1950 book that they pulled off of someone's shelf that's never been read. It's in such great shape. Anyway, it's just these little vignettes. He writes a little one-page thing, and he was talking about the power of of handing out booklets or books and sharing these ideas and information you know it's the 50s obviously it's before social media but there is still something special about you know giving someone something tangible and physical like a little book or a booklet it's something you can hang on to you know what i mean and it really kind of shows like hey I, i care about you and i and i want you to have this information and if you know you don't want it hey pass it on to someone else or whatever and that's you know something nice that you can do you know hopefully Again, we do that. We can do that with the show, with social media, uh, with different ideas that we see online, and so on. You know, it's a lot easier to do that these days. And hint, hint, please, please do that with your friends if you get something out of our show. Uh, check yeah. us out at cosmiceye.org if you want to follow us on social media. Uh, Chris is working on uh, updating his website and stuff. Chris Sheridan.com. I am in the process of uh, also updating cosmiceye.org. Uh, so we got some some neat new things coming along, and we'll share those with you on both of those sites and uh, some other neat surprises that are coming your way soon. Uh, well, just to put uh,
1: a period on this uh, put Emmett fox in, pamphlet kind of yes, thing, sir. Um, there is something to be said, I think, about and I think now maybe more than ever, uh, or or more so than in a long time, people would want something tangible because everything mm. is free and on the internet to have a three or four dollar and by pamphlet I mean like a four by six, like a good. Like postcard yeah. Um, size yeah, yeah exactly and you know folded together you know maybe 20 pages um, but it fits in your hand fits in your pocket you can uh, and you just have it and there's something just nice about it it's not a big yeah. book it's not 17 steps on how to do this it's no it's one completely focused idea and, one idea. and
0: yeah
1: and it's like yeah so maybe we'll be in the uh, business of pamphlets someday so one i like them i buy them i have them from uh, mainly hall fan. from yep. fox uh they're just really neat things to hold in hand so maybe that'll be one of the I, things I we have pamphlets. to offer yeah.
0: i have actually and this is something you know we'll talk about down the road too you and i but i have a whole box of pamphlets uh that i purchased uh you know over the years from uh the Bodie tree bookstores annex just tons of little like Ledbetter stuff and Theosophy pamphlets and, you know, New Thought and all these. You know, I've got Yogananda pamphlets and stuff. So I'm definitely. Oh, yeah. SRF had a bunch too. Yeah. They had a lot of those. And so the pamphlet was really a popular way to get, you know, short little ideas out, especially in 50s, 60s and 70s. You know, people would hand these out on street corners and stuff. And, you know, I, I'd like to see more people doing that stuff these days. Honestly, I, I, I always like getting those pamphlets. Uh, you know, people were passing things out, even those those kind of, you know, kooky end of the world apocalypse pamphlets and stuff, those cartoons that they used to pass out. Do you remember those um, those Christian things where they were like right. these thick That'd little pamphlets saved. that were telling you how you're going to hell? Yeah, you know, I, I they, Well, I think those are still out there. They are floating around out there. <laughs> I, imagine. I, uh, uh, I remember they used to kind of scare the crap out of me when I was a kid. But, uh you know, now I get uh, the symbolic nature of it and I, I like them and find them find them kind of interesting okay so uh let us get uh, back to it uh do uh do check those out the so check out uh, our seven day mental diet uh, episode it's a great one and also the golden key one the Emmett fox stuff really seems to get the heart of get to the heart of some of these these issues that we have with our thinking and how that affects our lives and you know in a real um inspirational clear and effective way he has a real gift for synthesizing difficult ideas down to really small you know pamphlets or books or ideas or passages that are really easy easily digestible and you know we we talk so much about hacks and all these shortcuts and stuff today it's it really goes beyond that it's more about taking complicated things and you know making them simple and digestible not trying to take shortcuts per se you know because some of these concepts are not really easy to do but You can learn them in simple ways and then put them to, you know, put them to effect in your life and put them to use in your life, I should say, Um, you know, and using kind of uh, a really clear methodology that he offers. Uh, So before we get too far off track, we're talking about a completely different subject than in the Fox today, but it's all interrelated, right? This is the world of metaphysics and psychology and the esoteric. And so on. So, you know, spirituality, it's all connected and we're all uh, we're all one. There's one energy behind all this. So we can justify talking about just about anything. Uh, So today we're going to look at, um, broadly speaking, animals, the animal world, the earth, the sacred nature of animals and some of the symbolic ideas behind them. Uh, We're pulling from Manly Hall's chapter 18. Uh, from The Secret Teachings from Part 1. It's called Fishes, Insects, Animals, Reptiles, and Birds. I don't know how much we'll draw from that. I'm going to start off on that, uh, and then we'll kind of go intuitively where it takes us. Uh, but we are drawing from that, and I do recommend it, as I always recommend reading Secret Teachings. Uh, Manly, and any Manly Hall work you can get your hands on. Both of us, obviously, are big fans. Uh, so check his work out if you get a chance. Uh, check out Manly Hall Society on uh, on YouTube as well. There's a lot of a lot of great stuff on there. You care to comment on that, by the way? Uh, also, MainlyHealthSociety.com. There you go.
1: For more <laughs> great stuff. <laughs> two two <laughs> wonderful
0: organizations that, yes. that Chris may or may not have something to do with. <laughs> right? So that, I may or may not confirm that. And you yeah. may or may not confirm that. All right. So I'm going to read this chapter from uh, – or not the chapter. I'm going to read the, uh, the first section of this because I think it sets this, this idea up really nicely. And I'm quoting Mr. Manley Hall from Secret Teachings. So this is on page 261, if you have the reader's edition. Uh, the creatures inhabiting the water, air, and earth were held in veneration by all races of antiquity. Realizing that visible bodies are only symbols of invisible forces, the, ancient wor- the ancients worshipped the divine power through the lower kingdoms of nature because those less evolved and more simply constituted creatures responded most readily to the creative impulses of the gods. The sages of old studied living things to a point of realization that God is most perfectly understood through a knowledge of his supreme handiwork, nature, through his supreme handiwork, nature. All right. So that is kind of getting at the heart of what we're talking about today is looking at the natural world, looking at animals as part of the natural world and our relationship to them their symbolic significance and so on. Uh, but what Manley Hall is kind of summing up there is that, you know, the ancient peoples were much more connected to and reverent of at least animals in a symbolic form, whether or not that translated into how they treated animals in day-to-day life. We, you know, we that's, that remains to be known, you know, we're not really sure. Um, Probably did they probably did treat animals better than we do. I mean, at least domestic animals because they relied on them so heavily. And you know, we have replaced animal power uh, with machine power to do, to do our heavy work. Uh, so, I would imagine that they were treated with much more reverence and respect, you know, at least in so far as you know, they needed to do that to, to, to keep those animals happy and healthy uh, and working hard. Uh, but we're talking more about the, the, you know, the bigger sort of picture of the symbolic nature of animals and so on. You know, obviously, uh, you, if you look back and, you know, we're all students of religion and spirituality, if we're listening to this, or most of us are, or we're just starting out. Um, but either way, you know, we've all seen pictures of the Egyptian deities and there are these composite figures. You know, I think of Toth and he's got a man's body and an ibis head. Uh, it's a bird head with a long beak. Um, you know, you think of Anubis with a jackal head, or you know, um, Sekhmet with the with the lioness's head, and you know these various different composite creatures. And then, of course, you know you've got all the uh, the different deities in in Hinduism. Um, Ganesha, Ganesha, you've got
1: uh, the elephant, uh, the Hanuman, elephant. yeah, the seated yeah, elephant,
0: yeah. Hanuman, the the the, the monkey. Um, And then there's different, you know, bird figures and so on. Uh, You know, you've got the Quetzalcoatl, you know, in Native American, South American traditions, um, and all the Native American, you know, raven and bird and coyote, obviously in Native American culture animals were hugely uh, venerated and, um, you know, and part of their religious traditions and their stories. You know, and, and I think anyone, and look at it, like even going back as far as we know, in terms of recorded you know history of man. You know the caves of Lascaux and in and in Spain in the mountains. I believe they're in the Pyrenees. Uh, the cave paintings of those uh, amazing uh, those amazing animals and the, the handprints and so on. That they, they speculate maybe those caves were initiatory caves for the men or, or some sort of a, you know temple space or something like that. They're not exactly sure, but it seems they were probably used for something like that. So there was sort of veneration going on. Of course, they found cave bear uh, cave bear skulls. Um, you know, in, in, as parts of elaborate sort of uh, altar spaces and things like that. I mean, you know, they go back 100,000 years, some of these things, even 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 earlier. In some cases, I'm not exactly sure how old. So it's a big dawn of time man has, <laughs> has, has been, you know, venerating and living with animals. I think it's only maybe in the modern and kind of postmodern world that we live in now where we've kind of distanced ourselves from the animal world, from the earth and so on. Um, but it does, it does seem, you know, this is an interesting thing. It does seem that we're getting back in touch with that uh, to a large degree. And I see this, especially among uh, the younger generation today and stuff, millennials and even younger kids, you know, who I'm sure, you know, I haven't seen any studies on this. I'm sure that there's studies being done, but I mean, the massive amounts of, of kids that are vegans and vegetarians and. You know non-animal eating uh you know diets of some sort or another and you know kids that are out there working and doing stuff for animal rights and so i mean it's it's i would i would argue that it's unprecedented in modern history probably the largest uh amount of people that we've seen in the western world so actively uh, promoting animal rights and and so on and it really is is heartening to see that um You know, of course, in the East, that's been a part of of life for a much longer time because they have, you know, the the Buddhist and Hindu beliefs of reincarnation tend to give them a a sort of more interconnected view of life, whereas we in the West have this idea kind of that man is the, you know, the pinnacle of creatures. And I mean, in a sense, we, we are in terms of intelligence and creativity and our ability to manipulate the world. But. You know, sometimes we see ourselves as being apart from the natural world. I think, you know, the, the idea in Buddhism, the interdependent nature, nature of life, this sort of web of life and stuff is more pervasive in, in the East, obviously. Uh, but we're, I think we're starting to see that more. You know, you see, you see these things and you're, you're seeing that more, right? Obviously, you see this on social media and stuff and you, you're running into this more on, online and, and so on, right?
1: Oh, definitely. And it's really, you know, from ethics, uh, you know, the uh, marine shows with killer whales and orcas and things you know those have been shut down uh just the treatment uh and and eating and i think what you know some of that's geographic and spiritual like you're saying in the east um they didn't have as many animals um to eat (laughs) Uh, and the hunting wasn't maybe as rich whereas in the west with forests and other things like that there's so much um there wasn't a lot of farmland uh, there weren't rice patties and things like that so they really kind of had to eat uh, more meat but we're in a place now uh in time that uh, we can really choose what we eat and what we don't eat and i think the yeah, consciousness raising of you know factory farms and just the way when you know grass-fed beef is a is a thing now it's like yes i'll still have a hamburger but yeah it's going to eat well uh, and therefore it's better meat for me and and it will have a better life and that's so that's at least a step in the right direction that sure I'm you know, still sure. eating red meat but uh and I do too uh but the it's not even really a compromise it, it is taking into account the animal's life and uh, yeah and it's it's yeah. really great to see i mean that the you know that there's the consciousness is there, and you know. No, it is. It's
0: it's a fantastic thing. And also, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited about too is um, a lot of, you know, we talked about this a few times on the shows and we were talking about ecology and so on. And I've talked about regenerative farming and some of these techniques and, you know, um, bioenergetic types of farming that comes out of, you know, Steiner's stuff and permaculture ideas and some of these different (laughs) ideas where um you know agriculture and the you know and and so on are seen as being something um in 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 balance and in accordance with um the natural laws of, of of the earth you know so we're looking at how the earth actually functions the things that it's doing the natural ways animals like to live and and we're trying to you know trying to put ourselves in accord with those laws you know which is very much in line with man hall's teachings you always like sp- speaking about you know um, natural law and speaking about universal laws and so on, spiritual laws. And, you know, when we sort of try to bend or break those, you know, we, we, we throw ourselves up against those. We end up breaking ourselves. Um, it was more eloquently put in a, you know, there's a, there's a quote for that, but I don't remember it at the moment, but the point is, is like, you're not going to, you're not going to break natural law. It's, it's there. Right. So now I think we're looking at that and we're going, Hey, the earth has certain cycles and, um animals have certain certain ways of being and you know we have to respect and and treat them accordingly. Um and even if we're raising animals to eat, um, you know, that they're raised humanely, treated well, you know, given proper proper food, they're outside, they're not jammed into these horrible environments and treated like they're a product coming off a you know, factory line, some kind of widget or something, but they're you know, they're a being and, and you respect them and so on. You know, and if You know, some people obviously are are completely, you know, vegan and don't believe in killing animals at all. And I respect that. Um, You know, there's certain levels of vegetarianism. Some people just eat fish and, you know, there's obviously a wide variety of of things. It seems, you know, it does seem healthiest not to eat much meat if you're going to eat any of it at all. And certainly to choose, you know to choose meat that's been, you know, ethically raised and organically raised and, and so on in free range. And it's not, you know, these confined horrible situations. And I think we're recognizing that that's, you know, more in accordance with the way nature actually works, right? So uh, anyway, let's get back a little bit to, uh, to the idea we first started with. So some of the, you know, animal, obviously animal symbolism and why like like what Manly Hall was talking about, just kind of re- retouched on that. The animals are obviously living... in in instinctual lives for the most part right so the way that they they act is in accordance with nature it's according to their own nature and it's according to their own in their, their own place in the whole web of life right they don't act outside of that they don't make choices that are contrary to it or you know we're the only one that's able to do that human beings it's odd, you know, that we are, and it's, you know, it's, but that's, you know, the level of consciousness that we have that allows us to, to make decisions that are oftentimes contrary to our own good even. Right. But animals oh, we
1: definitely can't. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. So animals don't have that luxury. And I put quotes around that, um, of doing so, but, you know, so I think oftentimes in religions, religious and spiritual traditions and shamanism and so on, and especially with people that live closer to the earth and traditional people who live closer to today, indigenous peoples and so on. Uh, they still have a reverence for, for the animal spirits, for the animal nature, for the power animals, for the spirit animals and so on, you know, and they see these animals in visions and dreams and they, you know, interact with the actual physical animals in, in day-to-day life and, and so on. If they're, you know, if they're living in more rurally, you know, living closer to the earth. Or living out in the jungles, living you know in the plains, wherever they are, right? So, so well, you, you know, have there's... to be if you're in that kind of environment, sure, sure, because
1: you have to respond to the cycles of you know plants blooming yeah. and harvesting, uh, migrations, uh, you mm-hmm. know deer uh, populations, not to overfish or overhunt, yeah, yeah, exactly. um, for your own good as Because then you have this—you know—you had to have a sustainable, um, you know, attitude, and it was always responding to what nature was uh, dictating or, yeah, you so know, totally setting cool. the stage for. You know, so there was always. But yes, we can go too far. We can go beyond what's our own good, the good mm-hmm. for the animals, the good for the land. Well, yeah, uh, and that's, and that's where human consciousness plays a real part, and it it we do have that power. We. You're right. We can't really break the laws of nature. We can sort of go against them and resist them and bend them, but they will snap back. There's, sure. there's no ultimately exactly. getting away from it. There's the illusion sure. of, oh, I can wrestle I can, yeah, this environment sure. or this, this beast. But what's, I think what's happening now is we're getting back to that. We're not really going to go back to the farm, we're not, not to the degree that, that we had before the Industrial Revolution, but I think we're getting back to the consciousness I of know the animals and we're learning yeah. from them. What can I learn about uh, the way, you know, animals hibernate or something? How's that, sure. you know, help my life? You know, that there's wisdom, yeah, or, yeah, this wisdom intuitive, in instinctive yeah. animal wisdom that is not burdened by the human ego that could really actually be very helpful with this, not just for something to eat or, you know, fun animals to watch, um, but really to learn from what they have to offer
0: yeah no it's true you know and that's that's something too that you can kind of start to cultivate in your own life if you you know if you pay attention because even if you live in an urban environment you know you're gonna you know you're gonna see occasionally animals out there you're gonna see some you're gonna interact with you know dogs and cats that come you know come your way or you see at your friends and stuff and you're gonna see pigeons and you're going to see, you know, crows and ravens and occasionally a hawk will fly by or something. You know, you know what I mean? You'll see some fish if you're down at the pier and all this. And, you know, so it's, it's like I think one of the things we can do um, is that we can start to kind of recognize even when those, you know, when we see or interact with those animals, you know, what they might mean symbolically uh, to us and what they might mean, you know, spiritually to us. So, for example you know, if, you know, you're out, let's say you're out, and I've had this experience, like I go out to Red Rock a lot, uh, which is a park here in Las Vegas. It's a, uh, you know, it's a kind of a, well, it's a deserty little oasis uh, with these beautiful red rock formations. And it kind of, they look, sort of look like these buttes and there's, you've been out there. Uh, but for those who haven't, uh, it's a very, very nice park. At any rate, so you, I'll often hike up into, into the rocks and sit and meditate. And, you know, I'll be there long enough where I'll s- see an animal uh, or something will, an animal will come by, let's say a bird, you know, a crow will float, fly by overhead and caw and circle. And, you know, it'll, it'll seem like there's some somewhat of an interaction and, you know, I'll think about, okay, well, maybe I need to raise my point of view maybe i need to circle around a little bit before i make this decision maybe i need to get a bird's eye view on this like you know or take some sort of different vision or i need to be clever like that crow and you know kind of kind of think this out you know the animals have sort of these different spirits to them so you can even recognize a certain sort of symbolism when animals show up almost like it's a you know like there's a sort of like almost like a vision quest where you would see a spirit animal, just, you know, even in day-to-day life, let's say a a squirrel comes up or something and you think about what is, you know, what is the squirrel? What is he all about? Well, he's, you know, he's gathering nuts and he's industrious and he's, you know, he's agile and quick. And maybe I'm, you know, acting too slowly in this. And you know what I'm saying? You can, you can kind of find these, these animal traits these instinctual traits that are you know that are part of us that maybe we're not in touch with That maybe it's it's a it's almost like a message like 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 a subconscious you know something from your environment that you can find that that happens to you you know and the same thing happens when animals show up in your dreams or if you're you know in a a vision quest sort of thing where you'll get a spirit animal visiting you Uh, you know it's telling you certain things like for example and we've talked about this a couple of times oftentimes a dog in uh in you know in your dreams and from the Jungian point of view is sort of an is, is an instinctual sort of a pattern something that's uh something that you know you need to get a, in touch with inside yourself that's more instinctual but it's somewhat domesticated you know the dog is mm-hmm. a domesticated animal obviously so it's, you know there's those kinds of you know symbolic connotations well that's uh, i think
1: we've mentioned this too with uh, wizard of oz the wizard of oz which is you know, incredibly symbolic. We could do yeah right two episodes on that, uh, but Toto um, is very much this figure, domesticated and you know loved by the uh, uh, by Dorothy and everyone, um, except for the the mean one, and uh, but Toto what did Toto do? Toto would always do something wrong. That's how she got into that mess in the first place. Yeah, um, and then ran off, and then the witch got you know it was this whole. You know, even the balloon at the end, you know, okay, we're going home. And then Toto, no, Toto, come back. And then, but every time Toto did something, you know, crazy or wrong or, you know, annoying, it was always to move not only the story, but the character's growth uh, even further because it always ended up being the right thing to do. Uh, yeah. Even though at the time yeah. it seemed like, no, Toto, ah, stop it. So that's part of It is in violation or at least in contrast. Of our well, uh, rational, logical ego, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Th- it doesn't mean to be completely emotionally based and just "Wow, I'm going to run wild in the streets." No. But there is wisdom in that that's not in the head. You know, yeah, this exactly. is in the feet. It's you know, they're closer to the earth, so it's they're more grounded in what's happening in the world. We we hear this when there's like an earthquake, uh, or even before there's an earthquake or a tsunami, the animals run to the hills, like. Mm-mm we'd run to the coast to see what's why the ocean disappeared and then it comes back and you know splashes over us yeah, meanwhile exactly. it, you know they climb the walls of the zoo and they're up up in the are the yeah
0: exactly Yeah, and know, that's so, that instinctual nature that we often don't listen to that is within ourselves but we've, we've yeah. got we've tuned it out and so we need to tune it we need to tune back into it um, and, and, you know, and that's that's one of those symbols in alchemy. I love I this this symbolism is the, the red lion and the green lion. So the green lion is that instinctual animal nature within us that's not been domesticated, essentially. And the red lion is the, you know, the animal nature within us that's been domesticated and somewhat controlled, but it's still there empowering and giving us life. And it's red blooded and it's fiery and it's in touch with the, you know the natural the natural intelligence of that that animal nature but it's not controlled by it in an in an instinctual way in other words like you know we have the the self-control to not do uh things that you know that we that we might do that might be destructive towards ourselves or others because we're following some impulse within ourselves right uh right so, so it's, it's 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 still you're being in, it's being in touch with that nature but it's, you know, it's having a certain level of control over it as well. Um, you know, and so, so some of the things I think that, you know, you can do to, to kind of get more in touch with, with that part of yourself uh, is obviously to, to, to watch movies and view, you know, view things symbolically. And watching some of these nature shows can sometimes, you know, get you thinking about that and get you in touch with those feelings within, but really more importantly to, to get yourself outside, go to the park, you know, go to a national park, go somewhere, go hiking, and even if you're just watching the birds or the squirrels, or you know, even people running around with their dogs and so on, and just kind of getting in touch with that again, and you know, really kind of and using your senses more. You know, so when you're out at the park, you know, sitting down on the grass and feeling the grass, maybe taking your shoes off and walking through the grass, and getting in touch with that animal part of yourself again. You know, we're so distanced from. The natural world most of the time in our little boxes that we live in you know are either our rolling boxes or our stationary boxes that we live in you know i e our cars and our houses uh, you know that we're we're not we're not out there touching the bark of a tree or smelling a flower or you know feeling our feet on 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 a stone and you know walking around or you know dipping our feet in a you know in a lake or something you know and and so you know, we forget our connection to this planet and it's, it's crucial. Like if we're going to survive into the future, you know, with the technology that we have, with the weaponry that we have, with the awful things that we've developed as human beings, we've got to get back in touch with our true instinctual selves that, you know, do that are of this sort of earth, you know, we are the dust of the earth, you know, as they say. And yet at the same time, we also contain this spiritual, Element, This eternal element within ourselves is, you know, this matter and spirit fused together, right? Um, At times, you know, we live too much up in our heads and in our spiritual nature, you know, grasping toward the light and wanting to do this and wanting to do that. And, you know, and ignoring the sort of instinctual body animal nature of ourselves in a positive sense. Uh, that you know, it, it we're really not going to be able to survive into the future if we don't reconnect with that in some way and realize that we're part of this interconnected web of life. And if you want to do things in the most elegant way, that's possible on the planet, just imitate nature. Everything that they've come up with that's that's a that's an invention comes from the animals. What is a, a plane? Is a bird. You know, Kevlar fabric is is is. Uh, is they were trying to emulate a spider's web, and didn't come anywhere near near the strength and and you know and power of the actual spider's web. But you know we're trying to emulate the things that nature does in a, in a way that's kind of clunky. We we'll do our best. I understand. I mean, obviously we want to progress and we want to try to re- eradicate certain you know certain harmful things, diseases, and so on. But you've, you know we've also got to realize like the, the world has its own kind of you know, rhythms and balances and so on. And we need to put ourselves in accord with this, you know, put ourselves in balance with it. It's not something, you know, we're going to change the earth. If it's done with us at a certain point, will shake us off like a bunch of ticks. Do, do you, know what I mean? I, and it's I do, like, yeah. it, we are not the masters. We are a, we are, you know, we are the servants of an interconnected nature with the earth and its natural processes. It's not, you know, we come out of it and we do, you know, have some intelligence and some spiritual capabilities that allow us to manipulate things on the planet, but we're not above it. We're right in the middle of it all the time, no matter how cool we think we are looking at our iPhone 11 or, you know, Coming up with our new, uh, you know, miracle fabric that wicks away sweat, or we're coming up with, uh, you know, what I'm saying, yeah. like whatever thing we can come up with, nature does it better and more efficiently and more effectively than we. And do. first, at first, exactly. <laughs> so you know, the thing is, and this is what again, I'm kind of getting back to the idea of regenerative farming and permaculture. The idea is that we put ourselves back in alignment with the natural order of things instead of fighting it. And that's a big lesson in life and watch animals, how they, how they, you know, participate in life and watch, you, you know, I, I, I get so much joy out of watching like some of these stupid animal videos that are on. And I don't you know, mean that pejoratively, but like these, just these funny, silly little, little animal videos. Like you watch like a, uh, a little, a little goat just jumping around like a madman. It it's, it's amusing. And it's like life just kind of exploding forth. You know, you watch a colt kind of teetering around on its legs and getting its footing. You watch puppies jumping around and it's like this, there's a beauty and a sort of, you know, there's, it's, there's nothing jaded in it. It's just, it's like this pure spirit of life that wants to play. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and we. Well, it is a game. It's a
1: lot of games involved in, with the law of the jungle, the hide and seek and just to contrast the law of the jungle with the way we play it out in society, it's, you know, the biggest company takes out the second biggest company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the two predators at the top. You know, it's the big, the big against the other big one,
0: mm-hmm. the two
1: biggest, the heavyweight champs. Whereas in nature, the fastest cheetah only has to be a little bit faster than the slowest zebra. Yeah. You know, it, the, t- the tippy top, uh, feeds from the bottom <laughs> of the feeding yeah. zone. Uh, fish won't just start eating each other. They wait until they get that distress signal, and then they go, "Okay, well this thing's going to die. It's going to rot if I don't." You know, so it sends this signal out, and it goes yeah. and it eats the fish before it, um, you know, before it's useless for anybody. Uh, vultures wait for something to die, <laughs> sure. and then then it's there. to they come in and and do their it's, thing?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Uh, we don't do that.
1: Uh, It's it's usually it's a big guy versus the other big guy or girl, Um, the two, you know, at the pinnacle, and then then you just if the top cheetah was fighting the top zebra, then the whole the food supply would suffer.
0: No, exactly, and you know, taking that analogy one step further, it would be like you know, sometimes in capitalism, you see this effect where you know a small number of people accumulate just a massively. Um, a massive amount of wealth and, you know, capital goods and so on. While, you know, a, the, a, you know, significant, you know, the, the bulk of people, you know, are, are, want you know, in want, let's say they, you know, their, their, their need around the world and don't have enough. And then there's, you know, there's a certain small number of people that control this massive amount of wealth and opportunity and so on. Um, I mean, it would be like if you were out in the, you know, plains with, you know, with some buffalo and, you know, let's say eight of the buffalo decided that they were going to, you know, put up fences and not allow all the other buffalo to to graze, you know, they'll, they'll let, you know, they'll take hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres for themselves and then leave like three acres for the, you know, the 99% that are out there or whatever. You know, and so nature doesn't do that. It's not a natural way of being, you know, it's, it's, it's interconnected. It's it's not wasteful. It doesn't, you know, store up massive amounts of things that it'll never use it. Do you know what I mean? And so that's another thing where we can put our thinking in accord with the way nature works. It's like, yes, I mean, store up a, a, you know, some goods, have some savings, have some extra food around and so on. That's great. But you know, it's, it's, you don't have to go crazy with it. Right. So I think that's something we can learn from, you know, being more in balance with, with nature is that, you know, it it has its own rhythm and its own sort of wisdom and logic and spiritual sort of flow to it that if if we put ourselves in alignment with it, it'll solve a lot of our a lot of our sort of social problems, I think. You know, you can... I think
1: so. And we you don't have to you know, the notion of oh, I'm gonna just eschew society and, and go off in the you know, get a ranch in Montana or something and really live in, in nature and do away with civilization. It's not that mm-hmm. at all. You can still live in yeah. your high rise in Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's really a change in consciousness uh, more than your environment. Uh, but yes, sometimes you have to, you be, have to yeah. get to the I, environment to actually to get a dose of it, to sure, get an example, sure. to get inspired even, yeah
0: um, i mean even though in but the, you
1: don't have to do away with society or civilization to be well, more not, in tune with I mean, nature you're
0: not going to do that it's not realistic and most people right. are not going not to go just out take anymore. up farming I, I to be honest with you though i do think you're going to see a move back to more people farming and more types of intentional communities based around a more natural way of living in the next you know 15 to 20 years especially as you know as, as life becomes more and more and more expensive and the, you know, the inequality in, 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 you know, continues to grow between the haves and the have nots, I think you will see probably people moving back to the land. Uh, But, but, you know, that's, that's my prediction aside. The point is though, uh, you know, what, you know, even in cities though, we can live in more ecologically um, balanced ways. Right. So there's way there's, there's, you know, there's ways that you can you can be growing food on on rooftops. You can be using solar energy. You can be you know collecting water in rain barrels. You can well, aren't they
1: doing that in Vegas uh, or about to? Is the vertical farming? It's like a ten-story office building that's you know either been converted or purpose-built mm-hmm. for yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. produce farming, and it
1: served would service all the casinos with fresh greens. Yeah, uh, I mean, employ it's local fact, people, it's, it's and one you of those can deliver an electric car setups. and.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you could say that. I mean, it, it, I, mean I think they're yeah.
1: experimenting with things yes, like there, that because they they are, it's the whole, you know, the land and the irrigation, and then the yeah. transportation sure. to bring it out from California. The if they could do it yeah. in the uh, the same area code,
0: no, for sure. Um, and I, I think that's that whole local food movement idea, yeah, and slow yeah. food, and all that. And that's that. And it can still fit in an urban environment. Yeah, I that's think. that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's there's urban farms in New York and in Los Angeles that that are that are um, incredibly productive and feed you know hundreds if not thousands of people so it's it's quite possible to grow to grow you know fruit and vegetables and flowers and plants and so on in in an urban environment in fact you know it, it actually you know helps to clean up the air and it, it cools the city and I, you know we should be really think about you know greening the cities more you know and kind of be that's what i'm saying like it, you know when i see for example here and in a lot of places like phoenix and in the southwest land is is still pretty cheap and it's open and it doesn't take much to, to develop it, right? Because you don't have to chop anything down or level anything or what have you, you know? So, so there's this very kind of wasteful way of development with, that's totally unplanned and, and completely, you know, antithetical to the natural environment in my mind. You know, and I think that if we were to concentrate, like for example, living in cities more, like having more of an urban environment that was more livable, and more integrated with natural stuff in it, you know, we'd be a lot better off than having these sort of half-assed suburban areas that we live in where you have to drive everywhere. It's not really a city. It's not really the country. It's not zoned for you to be able to have chickens in your backyard. It's, you can't really you know, grow vegetables on it to any great extent because there's zoning, you know, variants, whatever, you know, all these different issues that come up in suburban environments, you know, you've got your house has to be painted the same color as your neighbors. And God forbid, if you put a tree that doesn't match the, you know, the requirements (laughs) of the, of the committee or whatever, you know what I'm saying? These kinds of things that go on in the suburbs, um, you know, so I, you know, we're really kind of better off like living more, ur- you know, in an urban setting to begin with. You know, the, like New York, apparently is is more efficient than most uh, than most of these suburban areas are. You know, because because people are so close together. For example, like in a high rise, you know, the heat from down below goes up through the building it heats the whole thing up. And you know, there's a, there's a there's a collective use of 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 resources and it, you know there's there's obviously it's especially in manhattan there's public transportation and so you know if you set those environments are perfect for retooling to a to a green city that high density is actually more efficient that is how we should be living either high density i think or you know a, or a more rural kind of you know sort of intentional community style lifestyle those you know i think i think that's where probably where we're going to head in the future because it's not you see a lot of people moving back and living, you know, living with their families and so on because it's getting less and less affordable, to, you know, for a house and things like that. So I think you're going to see more cooperative type of living in the future. Kind of what, you know, they're experimenting with in the 60s and 70s, you know, co-op housing and some of the things they're doing in Europe because of the pricing, and, but also because it's just more efficient. And I'm getting and you know, I'm getting off track here but 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 you know that that's something look animals live that way they live together if they yeah. you know if they're that type of being and and they they maximize the use of their environment and they work together cooperatively you know Well there's colony ants.
1: species like ants sure. and bees yes yeah, and absolutely bees, they uh, right? it's the group and they work together it's yeah. a very collective uh you know t- type of arrangement
0: Yeah um, exactly and so we can, we can learn from these we can learn from these creatures you extremely efficient and, you know, and, and harmonious in their living with them, you know, in their living situations and within their own, within their own species and so on. And, you know, I mean, we're going to have to think about that. So that is something we can learn from the natural world. Uh, any other yeah. ideas uh, in terms of, like, how people well, can connect?
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, since we're talking about indigenous uh, cultures and you know, living yeah. closer to the earth, uh, you know, I've done a lot of studying uh, in shamanism. And studied under Alberto Viodo from uh, the Four Winds uh, Society, and he, he wrote Shaman Healer Sage. He's you know kind of mm-hmm. a, kind of the go-to guy when it comes to yeah, shamanism. He studied yes, in uh, the Amazon. So um, as a forensic uh, uh, researcher, uh, PhD. He's just a really brilliant guy. Um, but yeah, one of the I guess symbolism structures. Uh, that he pulled from the Amazon uh, is this, you know, we talk about uh, the four elements or the four directions. Uh, well, there are four animals uh, that are associated with the directions. Um, and they are the serpent, uh, the jaguar, the hummingbird, and the eagle. Uh, so the starting with the south, it's a little different, but it starts from the south. The serpent, since there's no legs, uh, is closer to the earth. So that's the reason why that symbol is used for feeling. So these four animals are feeling, thinking, knowing, and being. These are the four oh, stages nice. of development, starting with the south. So it's feeling with the serpent. You're close to the earth. Your belly is right there on the ground. And then the jaguar to the west is the top of the food chain, <laughs> kind of the opposite of that. Um, that's perfect knowledge. Uh, you can see in the dark, practically. Um, very uh, you know, top level predator hunter um, can't be touched by anybody in the animal kingdom uh, and that's the west and that's perfect knowing so this knowledge uh, superior knowledge then to the north is the hummingbird seems like a small weak little bird but they migrate hundreds of miles he does little teeny birds every year and they each one does it alone they don't do it in flocks so that there's this sort of you know, getting beyond knowledge um, to where it's instinct. They, they know the path from the birds that have traveled before. So to connect with that, that's beyond just feeling and thinking. And this is, you know, just a sense of knowing beyond thinking and feeling. Uh, and then to the east is the eagle or condor, uh, which, you know, flies higher and sees further. We've talked about the eagle eye and things like that and this perspective and it really doesn't, it's nowhere near the earth, it's flying, you know, thousands of feet up. Um, so it's beyond feeling and uh, thinking and knowing and it's a being presence. So with the four directions, these are, these are touchstones that we can do. And I, you know, I have a printout of these four animals and it just uh, connects me, okay, well, how am I feeling? Am I feeling my way through this? Okay, am I thinking, my am, am I knowing beyond thinking? Or am I just being in presence and seeing everything and letting, you know, this maybe the answer come to me without having to feel it or think it through. So, um, you know, there's wow, that's great. Yeah. it's so strong in, in these cultures, but, but that's a very practical thing and you don't have to see a Jaguar or a condor or anything uh, directly to, to get that. But if you can somehow tune in to those, you know, energies of our consciousness or inner life, you know, or thinking, feeling, uh, knowing, and being, uh, and, and be in touch with those aspects of ourselves. Uh, and, and which one's a good one to pull out at the right time? Well, I really need to feel my way through this. I don't want to really think about it. I don't want to know everything about it. I just, I need to be in this feeling. What does this feel like? I'm yeah. visiting a friend who's struggling and suffering, and I'm just going to put my belly down and feel this thing, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, and, and that could be true of, you know, any other animal, let's say a power animal you get in a uh, you know, soul retrieval journey or something like that. It can inform you and instruct you and help connect you with, uh, with a way that you're, you know, we're not connected with. But if we connect yeah. with the animal and that spirit, we really are connected because some of these, you know, darker animal, instincts or impulses uh we do have we try to think that we don't but because we're not in touch with uh, nature and this our animal side as much as we used to be and it's blee i believe it's turning around like you're saying um we're not we're not handling them correctly so we try Flare to suppress the them yeah, yeah. And then they creep out you know, in a violent exactly. rage and you think, oh, my God, I'm a bear of a where person. That, yeah, where, did, or
0: like a, where did that come from? Crazy as a yeah. loon.
1: What happened to you? You know? uh, But it's because they, they're, they're not integrated and they're not being processed. Exactly. Uh, because yeah. they're there and they can be good and they can be bad. We just we have to be in harmony with them and... Uh, not only just not have them bite us <laughs> like a wild animal, yeah, um, but to really be in touch with them, use the strength, respect the power, and really avoid the pitfalls. Uh, but you can do that with a stronger connection. You can't do it if it's unconscious. Uh, you, yeah, exactly. It will get you uh, like anything else in the shadow. Mm-hmm. So it's a way of proactively being in touch with our deeper and sometimes darker uh, you know, elements to ourselves, but in a very conscious and present way.
0: Great point. Yeah, that's uh, that's a beautiful uh, a beautiful way of uh, looking at that. Yeah, it would, uh, that's that's actually a good recommendation for a book too. book. So it's V I L L O L D O And shaman healer sage is is that is that book that has that information in?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely for the animal spirits and the soul retrieval, uh, the the four directions, the four animal spirits, um, the symbolism of a of a power animal. Uh, I think he explains it to very well. It's you know twenty year old book, but it's uh, you know relevant. Uh, he power also has some own. really good stuff on uh, nutrition. I think uh, one energy medicine or one one medicine healing something. Um, really great stuff.
0: Fantastic, uh, fantastic. You know, and I think too if you just uh, Even if, you know, you're not doing necessarily a soul retrieval or shaman journey type type work, you know, you can meditate and just kind of ask your, you know, your higher self for a spirit animal or for a vision of something and, you know, just look for it. Um, You know, you can even suggest to yourself before you go to sleep that you want to see a spirit animal in your dreams and kind of keep at that each night before you go to bed and kind of watch for that, watch for your dream, you know, dream, dream animal to come through. See what uh, comes through for you, and just pay attention. And also, just watch your daily life. See which animals interact with you. Just you know, you're out on a walk, and a black cat walks up to you, or you're out on a walk, and you you know you see some squirrels playing in a tree, or or a hawk up 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 in the sky. Something like this. You know, just, just keep your eyes open.
1: And, yeah, and, and watch for may those add, animal if you,
0: presences. If if, you,
1: if something does strike your attention, and you go, Oh, look at that squirrel playing. Don't try to analyze it or question it. Just be. In the moment, what's he doing? What's he? Oh my God, that's yeah. You know, like oh, here's deal. my power animal. What does that mean to me in my life? Don't start analyzing and applying. Yeah, 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 experience exactly. it or ask you know the the dream world to you know illuminate it a little bit more. But let it unfold. Um,
0: that's a great, great piece with, of advice. without
1: too much analysis.
0: Yeah, and, we tend to don't we tend to you know obviously put it up in the head and think about it and try to analyze it. Uh, and, the, 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 you know, this, the instinctual world doesn't really work that way. It's more intuitive and feeling oriented, isn't it?
1: Well, what if your power animal is a, a penguin? You get it and it's like, what the heck does that mean? I'm going to go someplace cold. Should I eat fish? Should I watch? Should I, um, should I sit should on an, an egg? I don't know. <laughs> do exactly. You know, don't, I don't worry know. about it. Just say, exactly. wow, it's a penguin. Okay, penguin power. Let's worry about Show this. me what yeah. you got. Let me put on Hold my on. penguin... Glasses and 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 sure. you know, experience the penguin spirit and and let it tell hey, by you the way, what, it, what it's supposed to mean. Yeah.
0: Where can I buy the um Is that, the is that something you? Is that something you sell? <laughs> Pango from Pen- penguins? Do they sell them? Pen- penguins? No. <laughs> no penguin glasses. Um... Yeah.
1: Antarctica I penguin think glasses. I'm going to open up a Ant- shop down there
0: Antarctica. And... Yeah, yeah. A, <laughs> this is a thriving new business of yours the penguin glasses market is exploding location
1: location
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Indeed. all right well that's uh, I think on that note we're going to wrap it up it is about an hour into this thing and we're getting goofy so yeah. uh Thank you for joining us for this show. Uh, get in touch with those, uh, those animal spirits, animal instincts, and those real animals out there Try and put yourself back in accord and, and in alignment with uh, in the natural world, get out to a park, maybe take a hike, go down to the ocean, something like this. So you, you know if, if you can't do any of that, watch some, you know, some nice National Geographic animal videos or something, and kind of like you know, use your imagination to get back in touch with those instinctual feelings that are, are within yourself. And try to get in touch with that, you know, if a certain animal resonates with you, by the way, that may mean you need to look at something within yourself, you know, you're projecting onto that animal, say you're really, you know, you collect tigers or something, what is it in that tiger that you admire? You know, maybe you need a little of his ferocity, maybe you need some of his strength or his ability to, to hunt, you know, to get what you want, and so on, you know, who knows, right? Or is camouflage stripes to be able to not stick out sometimes and in, in certain situations when you want to just blend in, whatever it is, you know, you'll find it. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you for all of our supporters and, uh, and listeners each week. We really appreciate you guys. And, um, you know, check out the, uh, the older shows. There's we've got a lot of a nice catalog of stuff. We've got like 56 or 57. This is our 57 show, right? So you know, there's a nice catalog of material if you want to check that out. Check us out at cosmiceye.org or at chrissheridan.com. You know, like I said, we're we're updating both those sites and there'll be some great new stuff up there soon. And uh check out Chris's Chris's book, uh, The Spirit in the Sky, and my book, If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. And, you know, enjoy life and get in touch with uh with that uh, with the earth again, with the animal spirits. Thanks again for joining. Have a great week and God bless.